everyone and welcome to another edition of Sports with Yosef. Today, a special guest was part of the Ravens broadcast crew, NFL veteran, played for the Ravens, won a Super Bowl. Kadre Ismail joining me today. We'll talk some Ravens and NFL with him. The highest contract in the history of sports has been signed. More on that. Sports are back and with it are the ridiculous rules. Talk a little bit more about that. All that coming up and much, much more on Sports with Yosef. Joining me today on Sports with Yosef, it's a former Raven, a former Super Bowl champion. He was part of the Ravens radio broadcast team um, alongside Jerry Sandusky, who was also a guest on Sports with Yosef. It's Kadre Ismail. Kadre, thanks for giving me some time today and giving and joining me on Sports with Yosef. How are you doing? Thank you, Yosef. Appreciate you having me on as always, bro. So, Cadre, the Ravens, a full 180. In 2018, they're 4-5 at the bye. Their starting quarterback, the guy they paid a whole lot of money after he won a Super Bowl for them, uh, he's, got, he's down with a hip injury. They bring in a rookie quarterback, Lamar Jackson, full 180. We, I mean, the Ravens make the playoffs after going 6-1 and one with Lamar that year, go 14-2 and two the next year set multiple multiple records in 2019 with passing and rushing I mean absolutely dominating performance is that kind of is that going to be are they going to be able to replicate their 2019 dominance in 2020 so I think any year you have to look at it as its own year and separate year I think the Ravens when you first saw Lamar Jackson come onto the scene it was one where yeah you said it uh Joe Flacco was the guy he was kind of in a mindset of being really competitive and he's going to overcome his injuries and be everything, be fine and get them back to the playoffs. Lo and behold, the injury happens and come Lamar Jackson. It, it, it was a total shift away from what Marty Morningwig had planned with Joe Flacco. But in the same sense, you also saw this dynamic charismatic player that led this Ravens ball club from mediocrity into one of the top teams to get into the playoffs. Last year, again, you saw him just do a phenomenal job of going from, yeah, I can play to, no, not only can I play, but I can dominate. And that to me was really telltelling. I didn't think he would be as dominant and as explosive um, as we saw, but clearly you know, he had put his mindset to it and, and did what needed to be done. This year, um, it, it's, it's, it's one where to be an upper-tier team, you have to sustain winning. And that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Can he sustain winning? Absolutely. Um, I think that um, it's just a matter of whether or not, you know, he uh, is ready to overcome these new odds, these new odds for him, new odds for the league as far as what's going on with the uh, – pandemic and and how all the adjustments will be made but ultimately I think it's it's this year and not necessarily looking back on last year and and just resting on hey all we got to do is just show up and everything will be fine what's one way Lamar can improve in 2020 so every year you got to look at it and say okay what you know did I do and what were my strengths what my weaknesses I think for him you know he would probably be the first guy to tell you you know, the outside guys, the, the way in which he wanted to throw the ball and complete passes to the outside lane for his receivers, uh, that would be priority number one. Um, I think 
the way in which you you attack a defense is 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 via being a multi-threat offense and the outside guys tended to get lost in the mix and he was a heavy tight end dominant uh passer and rightly so mark andrews just an unreal job of uh, being a reliable target for him um i think that you know uh marquise brown when he was out there did a, a, a great job of being a big play threat and available for him, but a lot of his throws were middle to <clears throat> seam type throws. So the next progression is definitely trying to get it to the outside. Um, what is the Ravens' biggest concern in 2020? I mean, you, you mentioned their dominance in 2019. I think everyone's mentioned their dominance in 2019. But it's, every, like you said, every year is a new year, and I think there's, there are some issues for the Ravens. So um, defense will always kind of be one where you got to look at it. Linebacker um, really sticks out. You know, Patrick Queen is going to be a young player. Um, obviously, they have a tremendous uh, strength in their secondary, and Jimmy Smith is back. And obviously, you know, the way in which they were such a fast and solid team defensively, that worked in their favor. But I think linebacker, just with some of the unknowns of how a young player is going to react. And again, didn't have an off season. You know, it, it, I don't want to gloss over the fact that uh, things are not normal. You know, I think that, you know, we can, we can clearly talk about, you know, some of the, the, the things that look normal um, and free agency and the draft. And, you know, you could see the way the NFL had, on about their business and saying, okay, you know, hey, but now you're seeing games, you know, being um, canceled and you're seeing their adjustments being made. I don't think we can just, you know, gloss over that fact. You know, preparation is so critically important in the NFL, especially as a young player. So I think, you know, when you look at defensively, Wink Martindale is going to have his hands full with some of the guys that he's going to have as, as young players. So I was planning on asking you this as well, which you just brought up COVID-19 shortened preseason. If, if a preseason at all, and that is right now being settled by the NFL players association and the NFL, what are you expecting? Um, how are you expecting COVID to affect? Not what happened, not like what occurs, what the games that happen, but the gameplay and the style of play. Yeah, I think that's going to be a um, interesting. Um, it, it's interesting in this because you're such a creature of habit, and the way in which you prepare, the way in which you feel comfortable about going out and playing, and those rules that were put into play um, are you throw them out the window. Now you got you know a pandemic. Um, what, what does a bubble look like for an individual team and its individual city compared to, you know, the collective 32 teams? Um, you know, what are the, the procedures that you want to have in place, you know, with re regards to testing or regards to um, opting out to play? Um, you know, there's so many variables there uh, that, for me, I think the NFL had an opportunity for a while now to, you know, kind of talk through some of the different scenarios. 
and it seems as though they kind of been taking this wait and see approach. Well, you know what? Kickoff is right around the corner. Guys are going to have to report. What does that look like as far as them coming into an agreement with the Players Association and making sure that everybody on both sides are, are comfortable and happy and, and feeling safe about uh, going out and playing this great game? How would you compare Lamar as an athlete? Because something's changed. And like we have COVID-19 changing. Lamar's athleticism isn't going to change right now. Maybe a couple of years down the road, um, down the road it might. But right now, Lamar's an athlete. How does he compare to guys he played with and against? How has he compared as far as what I've seen or? Both of what you've seen um, and what you, in person and uh, on TV. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just unique. I don't think, you know, like people want to compare him to Michael Vick. And sure, he has some Michael Vick. Um, you know, explosive moves that we've seen, uh, but, you know, it's the design of the offense, whereas for Michael Vick, you know, he was in a, you know, West Coast style offense, and if he didn't feel comfortable with, you know, play or the progression of, of his read, he's taken off running, um, whereas, you know, I think for uh, this offense and what, you know, Lamar is, is feeling comfortable and confident with doing, you know, it, it, he's he's feeling you know, light years ahead of where Michael Vick was as far as being a passer, you know, uh, his tight window throws are there, um, you know, going again, he needs to improve upon his outside throwing lane. But, you know, I think what, you know, Lamar has done, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson, you know, you could kind of compare him to, um, was it Josh Allen up in uh, Buffalo is a running quarterback. And, and when I saw both, he and Lamar go head to head, you know, I think Lamar, you know, is a better passer than him. Um, you know, they just both do it well as far as extending the play and running the ball. But, you know, I think what we see from Lamar Jackson as the league MVP, uh, he has a blend of a few different guys. He can extend the play similar to, say, an Aaron Rodgers, but, but better. Um, maybe he doesn't have quite the, the, uh, gunslinging mentality to, like I said, to the outside lane, I'll, I'll, you know, keep emphasizing that with regards to, uh, an Aaron Rodgers, but he, he can definitely do some things that Aaron. Chadre, you just froze. Live interview with Kadre Ismael. Looks like Kadre might have just had a bad connection i did not my progression this is where i want to go with the ball uh that's something that i look at with um with lamar jackson what's it like for a player on the sideline to watch a guy like lamar jackson are, are you guys too busy making like in-game adjustments or do you really get to sit back order up some popcorn and enjoy what is an incredible show <laughs> well if you're you know on the other side you're you know on the defense you're like man, what do we need to do? Um, you know, if you're, you know, in a nickel corner about to go into the game, you're like, oh boy, I'm about to go and, and watch Lamar do his thing. And I don't want to get caught up watching him. I want to stop him. If you're the offense, then you're hoping and praying your defense can figure out a way. Um, when I played, there were a few guys that caught your attention. One guy in particular, 
that caught my attention was uh, Barry Sanders. And when I was with the Minnesota Vikings, you know, he was one of the few times where I would get up off the bench and, you know, look at him play and, and see just you know, how he went about making guys miss and, you know, being such a dynamic, you know, player. So, um, yeah, it just depends on, you know, your perspective, I guess. Mm-hmm. Andre? Yep, I'm here. Uh, sorry, I thought you, you froze earlier, so I wanted to make sure you no had No worries, it. no worries. Yep, yep. Frozen again. <laughs> How do you stop this Ravens offense? Or do you just try to slow it down? Uh, you know, I think uh, the Titans, they kind of have a uh, blueprint, if you will. You know, you got to be as aggressive with your offense. Um, when it's time to score, you score. You get them out of their comfort zone. Um, you know, this offense is predicated on long, sustaining drives. It does have quick strike capability for sure. But, uh, you know, you got to somehow feel comfortable with your offense and getting an early lead and, you know, not letting up. you got to be as aggressive <clears throat> right from the jump. If you can do that, then you, have, you give yourself a chance. I'm curious on your thoughts on this one. I, th- I think the first time I really saw John Harbaugh be really aggressive, like we saw him do in 2019, was in 2018 against the Saints with Sean Payton right off the uh, go – He's going for it on fourth downs, calling to a lot of early timeouts, and really aggressive. And dare I say, playing the analytics. I'm wondering if John Harbaugh started picking up the trend from that game. What do you think? Well, for John, um, he's always trying to gain a tactical advantage, and I think you know he's recognized from coaches like Bill Belichick, where you outcoach me and how do I, you know, figure out um, for next time, how is it going to help me for next time to be a smarter, better coach? Um, what, you know, plays can I put in that's going to take advantage of a team's weakness? You know, those are some little things that I think John is constantly looking at. And so, yeah, with regards to Sean Payton and whatever you want to call it, analytics, you know, um, recognizing that every possession matters. So now you're on the flip side of it all. Everyone has gone past crazy. And then you have a dynamic dual threat quarterback. You get a guy who had previously coached a dual threat quarterback in um, Colin Kaepernick. And now you're asking your coordinator, hey, go out there and Greg Roman, you got the keys to this phenomenal machine, don't mess it up. He did it. He, you know, had a historic uh, year. Um, I think, again, it's one of those things where, you know, John Harbaugh is not afraid to think outside the box, and I think that's what makes him a great coach. Who on the Ravens, rookies aside here, um, needs to make the biggest adjustment for the Ravens to be successful in 2020? Whoever is starting at uh, the right guard, um, replacing Marcianda. Big uh, shoes Miles. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miles Boykin, <clears throat> I think he needs to have a, uh, uh, a really strong year um, and solidify himself as a, uh, a draft choice for this Ravens ball club at wide receiver. What specifically yeah. does Boykin need to do? 
So I think part of what his game has been is uh, somewhat possession, somewhat big play. Uh, but I think consistency needs to be pretty much fills it out, you know, uh, make the catch when it's time to make the catch, you know, be available and be open and, and know the nuance of the, the play call. Um, and that's something that, you know, every young receiver uh, has to go through. And I think he could, he could be one of those guys that can go through it and, and feel pretty good about it uh, to help himself. And then finally, um, you know, like I say, referencing back to uh, Patrick Queen, I think that that is going to be a awfully large task ahead of him to try and figure out uh, the nuance of playing uh, linebacker in the NFL. Obviously, he has a talent, he has a speed, he has the, um, the toughness, and, and I Cadre might be frozen again here. Live on Sportscaster Sports with the Safe podcast. Cadre is frozen. Uh, you, you were frozen at the end there, um, but looks like you're back now. Just had a question, which then I forgot because of that. Um, you mentioned Pat Patrick Queen. The Ravens last year, and what they did, they had that weakness at middle linebacker. And so they did a bunch of substitution packages with Wink Martindale to avoid playing multiple linebackers on the field and to try to cover up that weakness. Do you expect that could um, shorten the learning curve for Patrick Queen if the Ravens would do that again in 2020? Well, I know Wink is one where, you know, he's like, hey, we got to go 100 miles an hour and balls to the wall. We can't be sitting here worrying about um, whether or not a guy's ready. I don't think they're going to, you know, give every ounce of um, nuanced defense and confuse him and, and, you know, make him mentally freeze up. But I also think that uh, they'll have, you know, the, the right amount of packages. He, he is a first-round pick, and part of being a first-round pick at linebacker is being an every-down player. So I don't see it where he's going to be, you know, uh, a temporary guy and, and – and, I think he's an every down linebacker. And so I think that that's what they're expecting from him to play in on those critical uh, third down situations and make plays. One of the biggest storylines recently was the Patrick Mahomes mega, and I mean mega extension, 12 years up to 503 million. What's your reaction when a guy gets a deal like that? More power to you. Um, it, it's, you know, going to be interesting to see how, yeah, I guess in, in the way in which they um, structured the deal, that it's user-friendly in the first few years. Um, I like some of the guarantees, you know, 141 against injury, fully guaranteed. I think that's important. Um, you know, he wants to build a championship dynasty. So the overall number is great, but the way in which it's structured is kind of like how I look at it. And I think, you know, it's a win for the Kansas City Chiefs and it's a win for uh, Patrick Mahomes. And it'll be a tough for Lamar to get a win against Mahomes, although they do have that chance week three primetime football. I think that'll be one of the most hyped up games and probably the toughest game of the Ravens regular season. Cadre, how many times do the Ravens lose before January? Boy, um, I don't know. I mean, again, 
I if they had an entire training camp slash preseason, I can you know figure out some things and see and all that. Uh, so I'm just I I'm just my analytical hat has been turned backwards. Uh, you know I'd say they you know they have a tougher schedule. People are going to be gunning for them. Say they anywhere between three and four games at most. Uh-huh. What should and is the expectation for the Ravens in 2020 in regards to the playoffs? I think they need to be their number one or number two seed. Um, I think that's how uh, talented they are, and I think that's what they're expecting from themselves. Do you think they play in February in the Super Bowl? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, it benefits, you know, Baltimore. Hey, why not? Um, it's going to be a tough road. I think that they have the, the necessary tools in place to, uh, you know, be that dominant team. And I think Lamar is a determined quarterback. It's not just he's resting on his laurels, but he's a determined quarterback. I don't, I don't you know, I'm, I'm not going to bet against him, put it that way. I thank you so much, Katra, for coming on. Thank you for having me on, man. We'll do it again. Absolutely. That was Kadre Ismail, NFL veteran. Won a Super Bowl, played with the Ravens, part of the Raven was part of the Ravens broadcast team with Jerry Sandusky. Check him out at Twitter at Kadre Ismail. Check me out at Twitter at YoSafeM613. Check out all of the other episodes of my podcast, Sports with Yosef. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, that's Sports with Yosef. Check, I live-streamed this interview. I have another interview coming up on the 30th. I'm live-streaming that as well on Sportscaster. SportsCastr.com. My username is YosefM613. Also, check out my writing. I write for FlurrySports.org, Tackler.com with two R's at the end, and TecmoHold.com. It came up in the interview. We talked a little bit about it. Patrick Mahomes, an incredible extension. I mean, this is the num- This is the highest contract in the history of sports. A 12-year, $503 million contract. It's up to 503. There are incentives every year. I, I, maybe, I believe it's just for an MVP or Super Bowl. And something like, I don't know. It's The incentives are, if you take a look at the incentives, it is not the standard for incentives. Because Patrick Mahomes isn't the standard player. And then not long after that, the Chiefs, they gave an extension to Chris Jones. And another really young, talented player. This one, a four-year, $85 million. Not 100% sure. I believe it's four-year, $85 million. It's some. It's either, it's between 80 and 85, and it is four years. With $60 million guaranteed. And... After the Patrick Mahomes contract, I mean, everyone was talking about, well, what's next for Deshaun Watson, for Lamar Jackson, for Dak Prescott. My question was, after the Chris Jones extension, what's next for Matthew Judon? Because after 2019, excuse me, after 2020, the Ravens have one outside linebacker under contract. His name, Jalen Ferguson. That's not acceptable. The Ravens didn't target outside linebacker in the draft. They didn't tuck it outside linebacker in free agency, and they could be in huge trouble in 2021 if they do not lock some guys up. And the question is, do you lock up Matthew Junot? 
And if you go back and watch Matthew Judon's film, and even taking it at a very basic level, just watch his sacks. Uh, his sacks from 2019, they weren't that impressive. To me, at least. He was taking advantage of some weaker guys. But here's why. He should still get paid. And he will get paid. He is a Sam linebacker. That means his role is not just to go in and pass rush. In fact, he only rushed the passer about 400 times in 2019. Far below guys like Chris Jones who were going in at about 600 times. Terrell Suggs wasn't... Terrell, excuse me, Matthew Judon drops back into coverage, covers a tight end, covers a running back. That's what he does, and he's very good at it. Guys like Terrell Suggs, iconic uh, outside linebackers in Baltimore. Suggs was a rush linebacker. He did not rush the pass. Excuse me. He always rushed the passer. He did not drop back into coverage. If he dropped back into coverage, you better know why, why, and you better go back and watch the film on that play and see what's going on. Because he should not be dropping back into coverage. On the flip side, Judon, he drops a lot. He is very, very talented. He's going to get paid. The question is by who? And I don't know if it's going to be the Ravens. It's always been for the Ravens. Right player, right price. Is that the right price? He wants about $20 million a year. Now, the Ravens have to sign Lamar Jackson. They have to sign Orlando Brown. They have to sign Mark Andrews. They have to sign Hollywood Brown. They have to sign Miles Boykin. They're going to have to sign Patrick Queen five years down the road if he's good. They're going to have to sign Marlon Humphrey. They could have to sign Chuck Clark. This is going to be an expensive decade in Baltimore. Because the Ravens are a talented team. And talent, if you want to keep that talent there, it's a, every year is a fresh year like Andre said. And that's going to be key to having continued success. And so the question will be, what do they say? How, how are they going to, go, going to approach Matthew Judon? Well, the question will be the address to Wink Martindale. How much do you need to scheme to get Matthew Judon pressures? How much does Matthew Judon create his own pressure? How much, how integral is he to your defense? What is he easily replaceable? Do we have another guy on the roster who could take over for him? Is there another guy around the league who people don't really know about that we could, that who could take over for him? Those are the questions being addressed to John Harbaugh, more specifically defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. And with those questions, the Ravens front office will make a decision what they need to do with Matthew Judon. I don't know if that decision's already been made. I guarantee you the conversations have already happened. Could be conversations are still happening, but there have been conversations that have happened. And that'll be a decision for the Ravens front office to make about how are they going to address which guys to sign. Because if Lamar wins the Super Bowl in 2020, he's getting a, four, he's getting a contract worth $40 million a year. At least. And he'll deserve it. He will absolutely deserve it. But the Ravens will have to work on figuring out how they're going to deal with the salary cap, especially because of the tw- because COVID nineteen. The salary cap works based on the previous year's revenue. The revenue could be decreasing heavily, 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 heavily in twenty twenty. That means the salary cap could go way down. Now, there have been discussions about this already between the NFL Players Association and the NFL and the owners. 
but that will still have to be resolved how that's going to work out. Teams could be in huge trouble. The Ravens might not want to sign Matthew Judon right now. We'll see how that works. Another guy, and this, this one interests me because I don't have an explanation for it. I've yet to hear an explanation that really rings true. Raheem Mostert, the lead running back for the 49ers. Well, he wants to be traded away from the 49ers. This is a 49ers team that barely threw the ball in the postseason. And Raheem Mostert brought them to a couple of plays away from a Lombardi trophy. He was incredible in that run. He is an integral piece of that offense. And he requested a trade from the defending NFC champions. Why? I don't know. Here are some theories. Number one, he wants a new contract, and the 49ers aren't going to give it to him, or maybe he's asking for a trade to get a new contract. Number two, he wants to be the lead back somewhere. He doesn't want to um, be in running back by committee. And so maybe, maybe you got that. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Because the 49ers are a team that run a lot. Not a lot of teams are going to do that, are going to run, run that much. I mean, he most of right now is the lead back. If he wants to win a Super Bowl, he, has, he should stay in Fort San Francisco because what team's going to trade for him that wants to win a Super Bowl? And that's, that's about to win a Super Bowl. The Ravens won't. They're too deep. The Chiefs won't. They don't have the contract space. Uh, I mean, the Saints won't. Actually, the Saints theoretically would, but I, don't think, I just don't think that he fits into their scheme. I don't know. I Like, like what, where are you going with this, Raheem Mostert? Where are you going with this? The Packers? Packers could. Since the Packers could, I don't love this scheme for the Saints as much with Alvin Kamara. Kind of, you'd be having much more of a physical marking, a more physical Mark Ingram, I guess. Mark Ingram as kind of guy. I don't know. I don't, I don't love it. I don't think it's terrible. I think the coaches would just have to get a little creative in Sean, Sean Payton and New Orleans. Packers, eh, could work. Give Aaron Rodgers a nice play action threat, opening up the open up the passing games and try to. Confuse some linebackers, something that the Packers did not do against the 49ers in the NFC Championship. I don't know. I am curious about it. Maybe we'll get more of an explanation, but I did want to bring that up. So, sports are getting ready to return from when I record this. We are three days away from the return of baseball. Basketball and hockey about to start up. The NFL is getting closer, and the NFL... Put out some policies, not enough policies. They need, to, they need to continue to work on these policies, by the way, because it is honestly disgraceful that this is the NFL has had the most time to plan how it wants to have a 2020 season, and they've done nothing. Cadre mentioned it. They're, they're just saying a wait and, they're having a wait-and-see perspective. No! Get your contingency plans ready. Get ready. And players are calling out to the league. Hello, we're meant to report in a couple days and you've not told us anything? Get off it. And, but one of the things they did say is that the NFL jersey swap after the game is not going to be allowed in 2020. So what is going to be allowed, though, is at a time, 22 guys on a field, 22 players on a field, running into each other for three hours but they're not allowed to switch jerseys at the end of the game you've got to be kidding me I, I, I just do not get this what does the NFL have to do what are you stopping 
There is nothing in a jersey swap that if someone has COVID and is playing in the game, a jersey swap will not spread that anymore. Because I, I like, I I think this is maybe it will. Maybe maybe you're saying, look, some maybe you're swapping a jersey. I don't know Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. They're swapping jerseys. Let's say Jackson has COVID, gives it to Watson. Well, Watson and Jackson might not have been in contact with each other with COVID testing, which, by the way, how often is the NFL going to be testing for COVID? That still needs to be talked about. And I don't know. No one really knows. The NFL's got to come up with some policies. It's really uh, ridiculous. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're going to say that would spread it. I don't know. I get, Look, the NFL has to draw the line somewhere. Is this the place to draw the line? I don't see anywhere before that they can draw the line. I see a lot after where they can draw the line. Look, this is the NFL's decision. Players were kind of openly mocking it. And dare I say, rightfully so. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Alright, so next episode of Sports with Yosef. Like I said, I am recording an interview with a Sports Illustrated writer on the 30th live streaming that on Sportscaster. Make sure you check that out, as well as all my other content. Thanks for listening to this edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Misinter. I'll see you.